2: If you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to american com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Jeff, tonight, Chef Aisha sure. tweeted, Dagger, how often do you guys talk after games, and what's that relationship like after a big win like this?
1: That's my wife. We talk all the time. What do you
3: well, mean? I- We're going to bring y'all into our huddle. You are boys Huddle with me, Bram. With me per usual, my boy and producer Marcus.
4: What's up, Dub Nation?
3: And our master of all things sound, Maxime. How's it going? Boys, it has been a long time. Since it was just the three of us, the three-man booth, so there is absolutely no guest today, and I am fired up to kind of stretch our legs and get some takes out there. But I should at least say, uh, for the record, that the normal rules apply for the three-man booth. You guys have to be either really funny or compelling or reveal some, like, really embarrassing personal information. That is either super funny or compelling. So, I mean, no big deal, not a lot of pressure, but the success of this episode rests squarely on your two shoulders.
4: Jeez. All right. (laughs) Maxime, I'm going to lean to you on this one, but let's do it.
3: Okay, here we go. I got to tell you that those first two responses, I'm not laughing yet. So, I mean, we haven't reached it. I'm going to need you guys to step it up. It is a shorter episode today, boys. So let's go ahead and jump in. And let's start with this new segment we've been kicking around. And I actually really enjoy the whole glass half full. So we've been watching Warriors basketball the same way everybody has. And I don't want you to pull out minutia, not small points. What I want you to tell me is big things, bright things that have stuck out over the last week or so that you either really liked or did not like about Golden State Hoop. And I'll go first, let's start with Light. Few things here, few things, man. I liked reporter Marquise Chris. Thoughtful, talented, right? He wasn't as entertaining as reporter Clay, but he did a pretty good job. I'd go so far as to say he may have been better than Fitz, but that's not my focus. Um, I liked Brad, don't call me Bruce Wanamaker, actually showing a little life this week. Uh, I tweeted more than a couple times that the Warriors desperately need a backup point guard. I still think that, by the way, but he, yeah, he looked good. So I like that, but that's not the focus either. I, I, I like the Warriors playing the Eastern Conference teams with the exception of that Brooklyn loss. We've looked really good, but the thing I really liked, boys, was Draymond Green's mind and attitude. So we saw it on the court. We always see it on the court. He, he shows that off consistently, but this last week he showed it off the court too when they were playing against cleveland who landed andre drummond a little while back drummond didn't play and the reason he didn't play is perfectly healthy is that the Cavs apparently are no longer enjoying him on the team they are publicly seeking a trade for andre and even though it is six weeks before the mid-march trade deadline they are sitting him right now and after golden state beat the shit out of cleveland Draymond took uh, to the microphone in the press conference, and here is
5: what he had to say. I would like to talk about something that's really bothering me, and uh, it's the treatment of players in this league. To to watch Andre Drummond before the game uh, sit on the sideline, then go to the bat, and then come out in street clothes because a team is going to trade him. Because when James Harden asked for a trade, and essentially dogged it. I don't think there was no surprise or no, you know, there's no one's going to fight back that James was dogging it his last days in Houston, but he was castrated for one to go to a different team and everybody destroyed that man. And yet a team can come out and say, Oh, we want to trade a guy. And then that guy is to go sit. And if he doesn't stay professional, then he's a cancer and he's not good in someone's locker room and he's the issue. And we've seen situations of Harrison Barnes getting pulled off the bench. You know, DeMarcus Cousins finding out that he's traded in an interview after the All-Star game and we continue to let this happen. But I got fined for stating my opinion of what I thought should happen with another player, but teams can come out and continue to say, oh, we're trading guys. We're not playing you and yet we're to stay professional. At some point, as players, we need to be treated with the same respect and have the same rights that the team can have. What I loved about this, so I, I agree with
3: him. I mean, the hook, line, and sinker, all of the distinctions he's drawing between what's fair for the players to do versus what is fair for the franchises to do, I think he's right. But the thing I really liked about this is his willingness to point it out you know that there there are a lot of players who would see this think this be furious about it and then never actually go public in any way shape or form now draymond has made a career of making it be known you know what what his ultimate thoughts are but i don't think that should take away from the credit he's due i love that he went public with this and this is the f-ing thing i liked i i i give credit to draymond i think he was the man for doing this
4: yeah i'm with you i I love that he did it. Did you see that LeBron James kind of um, sided with Draymond too and said that he was with him in those comments and that you always have to appreciate the other side of the coin to that narrative. Um, So, you know, like I I don't – I'm not looking for ways to support LeBron and love LeBron, but, you know, I appreciate that him being the face of the league, um, him saying that and and supporting Draymond. And I think he was spot on. I mean, it's – it's hard to be professional and be in that situation like Andre Drummond is doing and, you know, be treated that way. And then when it's the situation is reversed, the players are called out for not doing it. I mean, it's an employer versus employee. So there's that argument to it. And I get people who make that. But it's, you know, it, just, it has to cut both ways at some point. And I just love that Draymond called it out.
3: Just as far as practical reality. So I get it. Employer, employee, the powers involved are a little bit um, disparate. They are absolutely different. But what if, so we go back to James Harden. Um, and obviously that's the way that Draymond approached it. What if James Harden come out and in addition to being kind of fat and in addition to obviously not giving a shit about his time in Houston and in addition to seeking a trade, he also said, you know what, I'm also not going to play I'm just not going to play. I'm not going to play in Houston until you trade me somewhere else because I got to make sure I'm healthy and that my trade value is ultimately respected. Well, what happens? The world would have ended. There would have been so many nasty takes by the talking heads out there. And essentially, that is exactly what Cleveland is doing. You know the, the the rationale is identical. We don't want this guy to get hurt, so we're putting him to the side. But their hands aren't held to the fire at all, which you know is bullshit. There there is absolutely a distinction here, um, Maxim. I'm I'm assuming you agree with us. Am I right? Ah, uh, no, not not totally. Look, I mean, I, I
6: think the the specifics of the language that Draymond used. Um, are kind of complicated, and I and I and I sort of I don't totally buy into um, what he's saying specifically, and I'll and I'll get into that in a second. I do think that his overall intention and the message behind it, and um, you know, him bringing up Kyrie and sort of um, touching on the overtones of um, just the mental component of all of this. You know, like I, I think the the message. Um, at the more meta level makes sense. But look, specifically, I mean, what does he want? What is his actual goal by bringing this up? You know, in that uh, James Harden signed a contract, right? Andre Drummond signed a contract. It's it's their responsibility to play because they're getting paid either way, right? If the team wants to sit them, I mean, that is the team's right to do so. I think there is a little bit of asymmetry, like you said. It, it's different. If James Harden decides to sit, that's in violation of his contract. It's the team that owns the contract, and now we start talking about ownership. You know, I think there are some larger issues that Draymond is bringing up that I think are really important to talk about. And that's what kind of bums me out about this whole thing is it, is it comes at the expense people start to nitpick the language and miss out on the larger
3: intent. I think if you look at the way that is being perceived, so I understand what you're saying. Also, uh, the use of meta means you are immediately right. I didn't even necessarily understand everything you just said, which means that you are smarter than I am and I can't push it. But <laughs> if I am dissecting what Draymond said, I don't even think we have to jump down the rabbit hole that you just presented to us. Really, the point that that resonates with me isn't the power of these two individuals to do what they're doing. It's not about whether or not Cleveland can sit a player. It's not about whether or not Harden is justified in requesting a trade. It's how the media, it's how these two things have been portrayed after they happen, right? Harden does what he does, and he is portrayed as a straightforward villain. Cleveland does what they do, and they're portrayed as doing good business. It's not even a second thought. And I think it's that perception of what happened, how these two people are ultimately portrayed that, that he's talking about, not necessarily whether or not they can do it. Does that one make sense?
6: Yeah, totally. And I and I, I really appreciate you making that distinction because I, I believe that that's really what Draymond's getting at. And I think a lot of the language I've been seeing on Twitter and on Reddit is really missing the point. And, it, and I think it turns it into an argument that is just as problematic as um, as. Cleveland sitting Drummond and having that be a a different optics. So, yeah, completely on board.
4: I think the other part, too, is like I agree that it's a contract, but the contract is signed by both parties. Right. So at some point you have to hold the organization. In this case, the Cleveland Cavaliers responsible for their ability to allow. Andre Drummond to continue his career in the best way possible. Them, them sitting him as a healthy All-Star caliber center, it doesn't help him secure future contracts or, or showcase his skills so that he can get the best, you know, next contract with another team. They're all basing it off of they just know what kind of player he is. But it sets a slippery precedent when you allow the, Well, you signed a contract to only be you know uh taken into consideration for the player signing it like that contract was sent by the cleveland cavaliers and signed by dan gilbert and team as well like we will pay you for these services this is what you will do and as a result we will support you as an organization
3: let me chase down something you said marcus because it uh it both annoys me and entertains me. It's this idea that LeBron supported Draymond. So in this circumstance, yeah, I get it. That um, He probably does, in fact, agree. But broaden it out. And what we've been seeing recently is these two dudes keep supporting one another, right? Anytime LeBron says or does anything, we hear something from Draymond saying, you know, he's really impressive or that's right. And now we're getting one from the other side. Let me ask you guys. So... The, Draymond's relationship with clutch is well reported right if you had to guess if you had to bet some significant amount of money to you do you think that LeBron James and Draymond Green will play on the same team at some point during their careers
4: no um, and I would bet all of your salary, Bram, on that. Um, Apparently, I, you didn't
2: understand the question. something that's important <laughs> to
4: you, dude. I'd bet that for your salary. I want you
3: to bet your money. Why not? Why won't that? Tell um, you? I,
4: I don't think so because I think LeBron retires with the Lakers, and I think Draymond only plays for the Warriors. Um, so it just can't happen. I don't. I think LeBron stays with the Lakers until he retires. I think he tries to. Um, extend his career until his son, Bronny, um, comes into the league and they're going to try to, if not play on the same team, then play in the same game together. And then LeBron will start to um, exit his swan song. And I just don't see Draymond going to play for the Lakers. Um, I think he's got a front office position waiting for him with Bob Myers and Joe up in the Warriors organization. And I think he's going to capitalize on that.
3: I think – and so this this is kind of an end around. Um, this doesn't actually answer the LeBron thing. But if the Warriors keep the Minnesota pick and they keep Wiseman, I think that Draymond will play for another team not named Golden State at some point during his career. And we will chase that down in a future episode. But if there is some time when title windows have closed and they're trying to open up another one – Draymond strikes me as the kind of player who may think that his career is a little bit longer than the team agrees with and may test out free agency waters, but a conversation for a different time. Um, Quickly, let me go to the other side of this coin. The don't like, and there wasn't a whole lot of stuff I didn't like from this last week. So instead I'm going to use this as kind of a warning, like a reminder. Yeah. So let me give you a, a, a quick stat over the last 10 games. Steph Curry has done something that nobody in the history of the the game of basketball has ever done. Whose name was not Michael Jordan. He has averaged more than 25 points per game on 50% shooting. That leads to this warning. Enjoy this. You know, we did something similar when the Warriors were going to nonstop finals Something happens with routine. You tend to get used to it. You take something sensational and you no longer view it as the incredible product that it was. When the Warriors were going to nonstop playoffs and nonstop finals, somewhere around the third or fourth, some of the fan base didn't recognize how special that was. Right now, what we are watching is almost unprecedented. You hear the name I just dropped, boys? Michael Jordan. Steph is doing things that Michael Jordan, the greatest player who has ever touched a basketball, used to do. And we are watching it on a night-by-night basis. So here's the thing I don't like. I'm not sure that everybody understands what it is we are watching. So please tune in, grab some popcorn, do whatever it is that you do to enjoy historical moments, because that's what we're watching right now. And make sure that you soak it in.
6: One hundred percent. I want to let you guys in on on a small secret, um, which is that I, uh, I was hooping last week and I tried to pull a move and I twisted my ankle real bad. I just landed on it sideways. It didn't go well for me. And it just made me appreciate all the more how ridiculous everything leading up to the shot is. The way that Curry moves off ball, the way that Curry moves with the ball, I mean, it's completely unique. And it was that moment where um, I tried to do something that I'd been watching him do on television that just sort of made it acutely familiar for me that um, just how much better he is, obviously, than me, but than anyone else in the NBA. It just reminded me that this is a very, very special moment.
3: If this was a video podcast, we would have like, suddenly this would stop and we'd have slow motion footage of you dribbling the ball up, maybe the little internal monologue, like I'm going to do what Steph normally, and then down you go in a crumpled heap. You're like, oh, I'm not Steph! I'm not Steph! Which would just, which would just be fantastic for me. I, it is unfortunate that we don't in fact have footage of that. Marcus, are you surprised that Maxime does not have all of the skill set that Steph Curry does on the basketball court?
4: I am, I am. I was expecting him to have at least 50% of it. but
3: Yeah, were um, you willing to bet my salary that he had that? Go <laughs> yourself.
4: <laughs> I'd be willing to do that again.
3: That's shocking. <laughs> um,
4: yeah, no, it's a great point. And um, I think, you know, like appreciating the moment is just a great take on what you didn't like because I think we are getting a little spoiled with Um, having such a generational talent in front of us every night and you can kind of just get used to it and not really appreciate it. Um, And one of the things I didn't like about this last week has to do with that too, is whenever Steph sits and we're not playing a team that is super below 500, um, we just lose the lead and it's just tough to, to watch. Like we have to be better at guarding the lead or just keeping it close during those you know six minutes in the set to start the second and fourth that Draymond and Steph sit because you know when we st- start to get the crunch time and we're going to playoff teams and hopefully in the playoffs like you can't just be up by six or eight and then during those moments where Steph sits, he comes back in and we're down 10. Like we just, we won't continue to have those crazy comebacks like we did against the Lakers and Clippers. So um, it's one of the things I don't like. I don't know what the solution is. Um, You know, we were hoping that Wiggins would kind of take over that scoring unit, but it just highlights and magnifies how much we miss Clay and how how cool the season would have been with Steph playing like this if Clay was around as well.
3: I'm on record a thousand different ways supporting Kerr in his rotations and saying, I trust him. This does not change that. It does not undermine it. But I will say that feeling, you know, when the Waves are up like four or five and they're rounding the corner into the fourth quarter and you see Steph go out and you know two things. One, he's not coming back. And two, when he does come back, they'll probably be losing. Sucks. I mean, I, like you go into like the commercial break, waiting for the next quarter to start, and I can feel that anxiety like inside. So yes, I agree with you, and that is something I would like flipped. Let's talk Warriors Oracle boys. This is our mailbag segment. As you know, this is going to feature a bunch of questions about the Warriors and also some personal stuff. Uh, the first few times I did this, I was listing out all the people who actually sent us the questions. That ended up being too much work, if I'm just being honest. I, I have not written them down. So yet again, I apologize if we use one of your questions. Thank you. Obviously, we value you. Otherwise, I wouldn't be reading your question, but here's our first quote. Brooklyn and KD return to the Bay this week and put it on the Warriors. Do you think Golden State should retire Durant's number? And if you were a superstar, would you prefer a statue or to have your jersey retired? Uh, M.T., Take This one first and focus your attention on the front question. What do you think, man? Should we be retiring uh, KD's 35?
4: I think so. Um, I mean, it, it was a short stint, and you know, there's arguments to be made that is more of a mercenary, um, like Ethan Sherwood Strauss said, but I think so. It was such a dynastic run and um, arguably one of the best teams ever to step on the floor together that I think you do that. Not only because of what KD meant to us in helping bring two championships to the Bay, um, additional championships, but also because it just, um, the optics of it for future players coming to the organization is spot on. Maxim,
6: you agree? Yeah. And I, I mean, I'll, you know, why do we, why do we retire Jersey numbers, right? We do it so that nobody else can wear that Jersey number. And I think it would be pretty triggering to see another person out there in a 35, at least in my lifetime. Um, so that's reason enough alone to, to put that up in the rafters.
3: Oh, dude, I'm down on selfish analysis. I love that. If it, if it helps Bram, I'm always down on it. And if it gives me excuse to use a third person reference, I'm on board. Um, <laughs> I agree with you and I'll take the weak way out and I'll kind of stand on your shoulders, MT. So I do think that they should retire the 35. And the rationale I'll give is not for him, but is for future free agents. I like the idea of that. I like announcing to the rest of the league, hey, Want to come join us? Want to help this franchise win you know, some championships? Well, even if you're only here for three years, we will make sure that your uh, accomplishments are historically recognized forever. It's an advertisement for Golden State. So as someone who wants to see more free agents come here, I'm on board for that. I, just like a, does he deserve it? I, I think you have to say yes. You know, I mean, he helped put together maybe the greatest starting five in the history of the game, not the history of this franchise. I'm talking about ever probably participated in the most successful stretch Golden State will ever have. So, you know, the fact that it's only three years, that that doesn't necessarily bother me. Um, I do think he should have his number retired. But let's turn to the second half of this question because I'm excited for this one. So what this gentleman wants to know is if we were a superstar and we're on the verge of a retirement, maybe we're not leaving, but we're doing that, uh, you know, one of the last couple of years and everyone's throwing, that's all the teams are throwing as goodbye parties. And someone came to you and asked, okay, we are either going to retire your jersey and put it above the court or build a statue for you. But you can only have one which of the two would you prefer? Uh, Maxine, take this first. You're a statue guy or a jersey guy?
6: I'm a statue guy. Because um, I, I I'm thinking about the direction our society is going in. You know, all the Instagram photos. I feel like a lot more people from around the world get to chill outside of Chase Center than get to chill inside of Chase Center. And like, you know, kids posing with my statue, all of that kind of stuff. I, I feel like the legacy is a little bit longer term. Plus, let's be real, like a piece of fabric hanging in the rafters is not nearly as permanent as a statue of stone sitting
3: outside of it. You're not worried about like joke photos? You know, somebody like rushing their balls on your... Uh on your statue and then taking photos of that like you're okay as long as there's photographs of your statue you're on board for it. all press is good press
4: and bram has <laughs> plans for your statue maxine <laughs> I,
3: i've never sent you guys pictures of my statue taking yeah, that it's weird uh, i'll keep that to myself
4: marcus where are you at i'm the opposite um i am team jersey and the rafters 100 to me for two reasons, one, some of the statue carvers, and it's a skill that I do not have, so you definitely don't want me doing it, but some of them look like I did it. I don't,
3: yeah. think, I don't think anybody <laughs> out there thought that you were carving f-ing statues, man. I, I mean, like, I, I appreciate that distinction, but I can't imagine there was a single listener being like, I wonder if MT carves... Oh, he does. Okay, good. I'm glad I have. What about, can you
6: stitch jerseys? Because, like, what what are we comparing here?
4: I can stitch jerseys, but I, I would bet Bram's salary that somebody thought I was a statue <laughs> car. Yeah, I, I would bet
3: anyone's salary you can't stitch a f-ing
4: jersey. <laughs> um, but... Like some of the statues, they just look a little crazy. Like you're like that doesn't look like that person, and I wouldn't want that statue because I would get one of those statues. But also, I just want to be in the building. Like when you're, you know, hanging in the rafters and that's your jersey. Um, nobody can wear that number, and you can have a statue and people can still wear your number. I'm guessing, but um, you know, like hanging in the rafters and in the building where the where the game is being played. To me, is like I'm part of. That team's legacy versus you're seeing me as you go in and out of the stadium.
3: How much time have you spent comparing statues to the picture of the people that statue was of? I mean, we're talking like hours? Like, have there been like a large portion of your life where you looked at a statue and then looked at the picture and was like, damn it, another one that looks nothing like the person this is supposed to be of?
4: Yeah. I mean, I I took statue carving 101 in, in, in college. So.
3: Yeah, that was and that was right after Jersey Stitching 103. Is that exactly uh, I got that right? I, I, exactly. There was a period of time when I'd memorized your class schedule. So I wanted to make sure I still had that at the ready. Um, for me, I would have some follow up questions. Right. So like, I think it's Jersey, but I would also need to know more about the statue where is the statue, right? I mean, like, you know, Maxime is right. I don't think any statues have ever made their way onto the inside of an arena. But if you'd like to put a statue, like, on one of the baselines, dude, show it. I'm on board. Is it a statue that's, like, eight feet or thirty feet? Is it just me, like that Jordan statue? Or am I part of, like, you know, a large collage of players? I need this kind of stuff. But assuming it's just a normal statue on the outside, not that big, I'm going jersey. Um, And more than anything, this kind of addresses what you were saying, Maxime. I also want to maximize exposure. I want people to know about me and how good I was. And I feel like the jerseys find themselves on television more frequently than the statues do. You know, they would see my number. They would see my name. So I think I'm a jersey guy.
4: So let me get this straight. You're so good that not only do you get a statue, but the statue is placed on the baseline of the game.
3: I feel like you're not listening. What I said was I need more details, and if they offered me a baseline statue, I would say absolutely yes. Now, have I put together a career that justifies a baseline statue so far? I'm going to say yes. I think in this completely (laughs) false world, when I'm getting to decide everything, I've averaged somewhere about 120 points per game. I know it's shocking, and they are. They're going to put me right on the baseline, so there you go.
4: I think your statue, if you're on the baseline, is you being the all-time towel boy.
3: Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. I think if there's a statue on the baseline, it's me hurting every player on whatever team is playing in that <laughs> arena. I, mean, I, I, I don't think it's going to last too long. It's kind of like when the goal posts on a uh, football uh, stadium were actually on the goal line, not good things happened, but uh, let's move on. And I'll give you another question. Uh, quote, every time they show clay on the sidelines, he seems to be supporting a teammate and is genuinely happy for their success. Meanwhile, I'm a sh** burger, feels jealousy, not empathy. A friend of mine recently brought a brand new car and when they showed it off to me for the first time, I pretended like I was happy, but I wasn't. I was bitter and jealous. Boys, are you always happy for your friend's accomplishments or are you a bitter piece of s like I am? I'm gonna guess, I'm gonna guess, I'm I'm sure you guys can guess me, um, but we'll save that for a moment. Let's start with Maxime. MT, I say there is no way that Maxime is always happy about his friend's accomplishments. I think he is smart enough to always tell them. I think he always has the right uh, facial expressions. I think that he he feigns interest and happiness, but there are definitely times he's not happy uh, for his friends. Do you agree?
4: I agree, but I think he's going to be like me and, and there's levels to it. So I think for a certain tier of friend groups, he's genuinely happy for them no matter sure. what but it's as fair. soon as you step out of that tear it is feigned happiness and as soon as he's not around them or he can say how he really feels he's like ah uh, yeah <laughs> maxi take us out of suspense what's the answer i
6: am i have to wipe away a tear i'm feeling so seen right now um <laughs> I could listen I uh I just graduated from from a master's program and so like we were all me and my cohort mates were all out there looking for a job I got a job and I'm like still jealous when people tell me that they got jobs I'm like wait a (laughs) minute like is your salary better than mine like what's the title it's it's just awful I hate myself and there are tears to it you know I think some of like my closest homies at a certain point it's familial and so your success is my success um, but yeah, there's levels to it. Wow. I just, I cannot believe, uh, how good it feels to have two people know me so well.
3: When you ask those follow-up questions, you know, what's your salary? What's your position? Do you do it in a way that pretends to be like super happy for him? You're like, Oh, that's great. How much are you making? you know, or 100%. what position did you... he <laughs> and then, and, and like, if it's over zoom, you even like kind of force out, like maybe a fake smile or like, like, you know, force a fist, like a fist pump. Like, that's great for you, even though you're not necessarily happy for him. Yeah,
6: and then I overplay it. Like, actually, that literally happened a couple weeks ago, and I ended up stabbing myself in the eye as I put my fist up
3: because um, I just don't have any control. That also explains your ankle injury, but I can immediately <laughs> associate. Uh, Marcus has already spoiled the ending. It sounds like it's all going via layers depending on his friendship. So I won't ask you, Maxine. We already know it, but describe it for us. MT, when are you not
4: happy for a friend? Um, When they are below tier one and their success directly impacts my lack of success. So if it's something that I wanted, like, oh, we were both, you know, like, like when we got to shoot free throws at the Chase Center, if it hadn't have been you, if it had it been a tier two friend and you would have made it and I missed it, I would have. Immediately been upset for a long
5: time. <laughs>
3: I can respect that. Um, so I have something in common with both of you, but I think I might be more neurotic. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, there is a tier of friend where, regardless of their accomplishment, I am generally speaking happy. You know, I mean, I've, there are people in my life who I have known for you know, longer than three decades, and most of those people I am on board for. But you step out of that tier, I am capable of being jealous and not happy for almost any level of accomplishment. And it doesn't necessarily have to like highlight my lack of success it can be anything we were at a uh, a friend's house this is before the pandemic a little while back and while we were there we were a part of i don't know like nine or ten people who had also been invited And while we were there it came out that the people whose house we were at had just bought a new car a tesla in fact and they were you know they were glowing about the purchase and they weren't necessarily pompous about it by the end of the evening though they wanted to take people on test drives you know they wanted to show them this new thing they had so individually they went to 10 people and the nine people before me, they went, do you like to go on a, on a test drive? All of them said yes. And they really enjoyed it. They came to me. Would you like to see our Tesla? I said, F- no, let's see that Tesla. I was hella jealous. That's the last thing I wanted to see. These are fairly good friends of mine. So, am I capable of being jealous for somebody else's like upsides? Oh yeah, I like absolutely hook, line, and And I think I would have felt that even if I owned a Tesla, if I had had the exact same car outside, I might have still rejected the test drive. So, I mean, I, I've got problems, boys. What am I going to tell you?
4: Yeah, I mean, they had less miles on their Tesla, jerks.
3: Yeah, bastards. See, that's exactly why I didn't hop <laughs> in that thing. I, I have like, we went to a friend who bought a new house. They were out in Silicon Valley. Nice enough house. I liked the friend a lot. And I was so jealous of their house. This is just coming to me now. I forgot it. That on the way back, I had all these like really weird criticisms that didn't make any sense. Like my wife is like, oh, what'd you think of the house? And I was like, well, that was a really weird place for a staircase. It's like, what? Like, what you, What does that even mean? Did, like, why, why would you have a problem with the staircase? Staircases location, and it's just because I was jealous. That's that's all there is to it. Back to basketball. Marcus, if Clay Thompson had been healthy throughout this year so far, where would the Warriors be in the West?
4: It would be four seed. I think Utah is legit this year. I think the Lakers and Clippers are both legit and right under them and then that's where we would be but we would be competing with the clippers and i think a half step behind a healthy anthony davis and lebron james
3: yeah yeah i agree i I think if we're looking at them right now because that's kind of what the question's asking right if if we're looking at february 16th and figuring out where they stood Um, I don't think they'd be that much higher than they currently are in fourth, fifth seed, which is only another two games or so. But if we fast forward to the end of the season, I think there would be a bigger difference. I think they would be higher up. And the reason for that is even if Clay had been there, there would still be some growing pains. You know, these guys would still have to learn to play with one another. So I don't know if we would see the incredible improvement right now, but I do think by the end of the year, we might be looking at a two or a three seed. Um, Final Warriors Oracle question, and uh, I'll start with you, Maxime, because I know, much like myself, you are a bearded gentleman. Quote: What beard advice would you give to Andrew Wiggins?
6: Oh wow, Um, two way wigs. Have you heard of this great product called Manscaped? Um, No, I'm kidding. Uh, Don't use um, uh, this tip. That you should not. What I was going to say is, you shouldn't use the same clippers for down there and up. It's just, this is super uh, not necessary. Um, (laughs) uh, I was just admiring Rick Rubin's beard the other day. And uh, I don't know if you've seen Rick Rubin um, or his beard, it is long. And I think it is. Um, as long and illustrious as his career. And so my recommendation to Andrew Wiggins would be push it, right? Because basically the longer your beard is, the more people respect your accomplishments within your industry.
3: <laughs> I... I'm on the exact opposite side of that recommendation. My, my suggestion to Andrew Wiggins is shave it off. There's a huge, huge patchy element to the right-hand side of his beard. And I don't know what it is about beard growing, but it seems to be the only thing people do publicly, even if they are somewhat bad at it. You know, if I can't run fast, and we meet uh, for the first time I don't say hey stand back and watch me run I'm not I don't run fast why would I want to do that? If, if I can't tell jokes well and we meet for the first time I don't go on some preordained long joke because it's going to come out gargled and it'll be awful if I can't grow a beard if I try to grow a beard and it's patchy as f- and it looks you know all disorganized why the hell do I want to meet people and show them that? So Andrew turned it into a goatee something. But those giant holes on the cheek, that's not what's supposed to happen, man. I, my my suggestion is shave it and shave it quickly.
6: Well, but hold on. Don't you remember when LeBron had that bald patch and then like the next day it was filled in? I feel like NBA players have access to different technology than you or I do. Wiggins could absolutely fill that in. My dude, go for the long beard.
3: Okay, fair. Then two-part advice. If you're willing to paint in the remainder of the beard, oh, Rick, room it up. Go all the way. Rip (laughs) Van Winkle. I mean, let's see how long we can get that paint going. But if that's an impossibility, if you have a beard and I can still see your cheek, only one of those cheeks, it's a problem. It's an absolute problem. And you need to shave. Last topic, boys, and it is look around the league. We haven't done this one for a while. Look around the league. So, if you're new to the show, you may notice that I talk too much. You'll also be happy with this segment here. I shut up. We turn over to Marcus, who has spent a little bit of time researching three stories from around the league. He's going to give us those three stories, and then we will vote on which of them we want to talk about. Empty, what do you got?
4: All right, first one up. Uh, we talked about. Andre Drummond kind of needing a new home, but another name out there who a player who's being sat and not playing and looking for a new team is Blake Griffin. Um, he was at one point, uh, talked about joining the Warriors. Um, so would we want Blake Griffin to be on our team? He's available. Uh, second story. LeBron was asked about the Nets' new trio of superstars, uh, you know, KD, Kyrie, and James Harden, and how they're unprecedented. And his reaction was, um, have we forgot about KD, Steph, and Clay already? And just amazing retort. So, again, don't want to turn this into a LeBron love fest, but, um, you know, begs the question of what's the best trio that has ever, you know, joined a court? I think, you know, our our three of the Warriors are up there. So we could talk about that. And last but not least, a little obscure, but um, might be fun to talk about. So the Grizzlies um, recently played. And Jonas Valanciunas got dunked on by a new player named Kamezi Mitu. And Mitu hung on the rim a little bit and swung around. And he did that thing where you get your legs kind of caught up around the guy and almost put your... His nuts on his neck and move. The statue move. Exactly. And Valentunas did not take it well. He locked his leg, kind of spun around and threw him off, and Mitu fell off the rim, hit the ground so hard that he fractured his wrist. Um, so I think it's because it's those two players, it's not a bigger story, like, but it begs the question, like if like what's what's the right protocol and what's what do you do in that situation? Like players are defending both sides of the story there. So um, you know, as a serial dunker, Bram, I'm sure you have a, a take on what that's like to be up that high and dunking on people all the time.
3: You sound like you're being facetious, but I do have a take, and that will be my vote. So I'm going to start <laughs> with Blake Griffin. I uh, seen that he went from an athletic. Marvel who played in the post to now being a broke down three point shooter whose team literally won't allow him on the court anymore. I don't think we need to chase that down. I do not want him on the Warriors. We've already talked too much about LeBron, so that leaves the statue ball dunk. That's the one I'd like to talk about. Am I say <laughs> the
6: statue ball dunk. Wow, I hope that name catches on. Um, I just want to say uh, I'm also available, and I'm a guy that can't do a crossover without twisting his ankle. So, do we want to bring me onto the Warriors? I don't think so. Um, Also, there's kind of no question that in my mind that that, um, the trio from the 1718 squad is the best of all time. So I think we can leave that unlitigated further. Um, And I also do have a take about um, the ball statue situation. So let's get into it.
3: Sounds like we're going statue ball dunk MT. I turn it to you. What's your
4: follow up? So um, it's interesting. So Luke Walton, so um, Metu plays for the Kings. The Kings played the Grizzlies. That's what happened. Um, Luke Walton kind of slammed the play and said it was a dangerous play by Valanchunas. Had no place in basketball. Um, John Morant, who plays for the Grizzlies, defended his center, Valanchunas, and said um, Metu was doing too much. He got excited about dunking and this did too much up on the rim. And, you know, it's kind of deserved what he got. So I think I haven't dunked on enough people on a full-size rim to know what it's like. I mean, thinking back on our days when we'd go dunk on people at Thornhill, um, Bram, and, you know, can kind of picture what it is there. The The type of play that that Metu did, he didn't, like, do the statue, I'm going to put my balls on your neck, on purpose. He dunked, and then it was just kind of – it kind of happened. It felt like it was less intentional than yeah. Valanchunas – um, expected or kind of reacted against. Um, but that said, in the moment, you know, like it's hard just to sit there and you get dunked on and you have somebody's, you know, nuts on your neck. So that's a tough one. I, You know, I get why you'd want to throw somebody down, but it was an aggressive toss and he, you know, he definitely, it wasn't a basketball play. So I'm kind of, I'm in the camp that it wasn't a basketball play. It was dangerous. And I think Luke Walton was right that it should have been, something more upgraded it wasn't even a flagrant foul they looked at and they were just like keep playing
3: help me understand the reaction so when we watched Jonas doing it was it very obviously uh this is unacceptable you're about to get hurt or was it a what's happening and then just kind of a reaction you know like was was there evil intent behind it do you think
4: there was evil intent behind Valanchunas' get off of my neck. I understand, there was, not, there not was, being a dunker.
3: Yeah, I yeah but uh, there
4: was not evil intent from Metu. Like yeah, he right. dunked on him and he was giving that look like, yeah, dunked on It was It was, it was also like, I don't want to land on your ankle it's, and hurt it, myself. It like,
3: was the physical reality of where he was. So exactly. I meant what I said. I do have experience dunking, although none of it is on a 10-foot rim um Maxime Marcus just alluded to it but there was a grade school that was close to where Marcus and I grew up uh called Thornhill and that grade school had eight-foot courts so you could go down there and call them dunk courts you could use them a lot it wasn't the only grade school in our area there's another one called Hillcrest that I used to go to and there was a day at Hillcrest where I showed up and we, we played against these random people in a very random circumstance and let me let me hedge this if my life depended on dunking on a 10-foot rim I would die immediately so if this this story makes me seem inadvertently athletic, that's not its goal. But during this story, the, a very similar circumstance happened. I caught an alley-oop and ended up dunking and then ended up on a guy's shoulders. And I purposefully made it worse. You know, I, I didn't tell him that, but I can I can still feel it. I can still imagine it. I remember tightening my knees. I remember making a big deal about it. I remember screaming. I remember holding on to the rim. If... And I I heard you, Marcus, that doesn't sound like that's what happened in this instance. If that's what happened and it's on national television, is it right for Jonas to throw him to the ground? No. Can I associate with him throwing him onto the ground? Yes. Yes, I can. Right. So I I need to see it, but I, I can understand all the emotions involved. And if there's anybody out there who has footage of my amazing athletic accomplishments at Hillscrest, just go ahead and send it to warriorshuddle at uh, gmail.com. Cause you know, we'll, we'll put that into our video podcast as well.
6: Go right alongside my amazing crossover from last week. Um, Picture in picture. (laughs) uh, Can, I I just want to clarify something. Was it a one handed dunk or a two handed dunk? Two. it two be me or him? <laughs> no, you. Because see, this is this is a critical distinction, is that, that Metu only had one hand on the rim while he was on Valanciunas' shoulders. And granted, you know, Valanciunas, Valanciunas is in a compromised position, so it's not like he can see what's going on. But, like, you can tell that Metu is just trying to not let anybody get hurt. And he almost, like, 360 wrapped his wrist around the rim before he finally tossed him off, um, which is, like, It looked like he could have broken it just hanging onto the rim. You know, the whole situation was fraught with danger. But the thing that I also wanted to call out that I think speaks maybe, Bram, a little bit to your point is that Metu got up, and you know what the first thing he did was? He clapped. (laughs) Dude was so amped for his dunk that he actually, like, he clapped on a fractured wrist, which I think is pretty epic, and um, I would imagine you would have done the same given how animated it sounded like you were on the Thornhill court.
3: That is absolutely right. Although my incredible accomplishment happened on Hillcrest. Oh my like bad! Yeah, I feel like you were listening, which really—I really did kind of tune me. you out. I know. I, well, I can tell since it's only been eight seconds and you missed one of the three details of the story. So it is what it is. <laughs> uh, I I don't. Have, <laughs> I have no other follow-ups on the statue ball <laughs> You got anything else, saying?
4: Shocking. <laughs> No, I get three stories. You picked the one. You didn't want to talk about the other ones, that, which were great stories. so
3: they were, they were terrible. Do we want to sign the broken down corpse of Blake Griffin? Oh, no. What are you talking about? They're like No, we do not. Maybe we can also sign Dominique Wilkins right now. It'd be just about as helpful. Uh, well, huge fun with the exception of Marcus's terrible stories. Always true, certainly true this week. If you want to reach out to us and give us any questions that we can use for future Warriors Oracle segments, we can be reached at warriorshuddle at gmail.com if you want to follow us on social media our lone presence out there is on twitter at warriors huddle and maybe most importantly if you want to support us with more than your time you can hop up on patreon it will mean the world to us and for as little as a dollar a month you can make a big difference in our life go warriors hopefully see you next week
0: Easier said. Done.